0: Uh, uh, a couple of years ago, well, many, many years ago now that I think of it, way too many years ago, I used to live in Albuquerque. It was uh, when I first got out of college, my first job was in Albuquerque. And because it was my first job, I couldn't afford to live near where I worked. I lived way over on the other side of town. So I had to commute from the east side of Albuquerque, or from the west side where I lived, to the east side where I worked. And Albuquerque uh, spans the Rio Grande, so I had to go um, uh, from... Uh, from near the airport, which is southeast, to uh, the West Mesa. And it was a fine commute in the morning. The the way I got to work and everything, it wasn't a problem. But in the afternoon, it would really back up because there's a whole bunch of people like me trying to get to the affordable part of town. And so we would all get on I-40 and we'd drive across the river uh, to the Coors exit um, so we could either go north or south. And the problem was that there was an ec- the, the the exit was badly designed. I know it was badly designed because it, it bothered me, and um, what what happened is there were two lanes that that peeled off of the freeway, and the idea is that then two of them would then go on to um, to the north uh, north part of Albuquerque and and one would go to the west part of Albuquerque, but what would happen is there would be people who wanted to go um, to the south side of Albuquerque. Excuse me. Anyway, some wanted to go south. Some wanted to go north. Two lanes north, one south. What would happen though is there were these bad people who would stay in the lane that wasn't the southbound lane. They would, they would come alongside and so us good law-abiding citizens are, are in the proper lane. And then these people would come along and they'd, you know, just kind of race up ahead to the place where they could sit there and wait to merge and it really offended me because they were bad people these are these are bad bad people and and so they'd be sitting there waiting to merge and i'd be looking at them not making eye contact but looking at them very closely and saying there's no way i'm going to let you merge okay i'm not going to let an inch of space between me and the car in front of me the car who just uh, he just let somebody emerge. What kind of idiot is driving in front of me right now? Now, don't judge me because you've done this too, right? Okay. Now, now, they were bad people, okay, because they were they were subverting the very fabric of society. They were ripping our culture to shreds right there on that highway. Now, I have to tell you, during that time when I was in Albuquerque, I was actually diagnosed with high blood pressure, and... Until until I began working on the sermon, I never connected the dots there. So maybe that was part of my problem. So, um, but um, but the 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 problem is that you know you know, and I know many of you have been in that situation where you won't let somebody merge, or the worst case is when when you're the one who's trying to merge, and, and there's somebody who's not a very forgiving soul who's not letting you merge. So um, I, I know it's a familiar situation. Uh, maybe you just don't, haven't had to had to deal with it day after day after day like I had to do. So so um, I, wanted, I wanted to share that with you because we see something kind of like that in our lesson today. Um, what we're going to be talking today is about bad people. Um, we're going to be talking about really bad people. If you remember last week, if you weren't here last week, you can listen online. But last week what we talked about was good people. People who obey the rules, people who do all the proper rituals, people who are uh, trying to find a relationship with God because of the things they do and and what we called them last week was religious people and and what we saw is that God doesn't want to have a relationship with people that's built on religion God doesn't want to have a relationship that's based on obeying the rules and, and observing the proper uh, rituals but that leaves the question what about what about everybody else what about the bad people okay what about the people in the other lane who are trying to merge in Okay, what about bad people? Or or more realistically, what about really bad people? What about people who who start wars or who go on crime sprees? What about people who who uh, rob banks? What about people who commit acts of violence? Or uh, I don't know how many of you have been touched by something like that, but how about the things that have touched us? How about the people who broke into our house a couple of years ago and robbed everything valuable? What about the person who, who uh, bumped into our car in the parking lot and left us with a thousand dollars of damage, and not a hint who did it. What about what about bad people like that? Or what about what about the bad people who who wrecked our finances, or who caused our divorce? What about the bad people who uh, were our parents? And no matter what we did, we could never measure up to this impossible goal they had what about that kind of bad people? And and on top of that, sometimes we all know, sometimes we are that bad person. We've all got things in our background that we wonder, what about that kind of bad person? So we're going to look today at bad people, or what, what I'm going to call irreligion. It's the, it's the opposite of religion. Religion is trying to trying to have a relationship with God because of the things you do. Irreligion is... When you say, well, that's impossible. I can't do that. I've tried and I've failed, or I'm not even gonna try. I'm just not even gonna, uh, I'm just not gonna do it. I'm not gonna go there. So, religion and irreligion. About 200 years after Jesus, there was a, a saint named Tertullian. Uh, he lived in northern Africa. And he, he gave us a mnemonic. He said, he said that just as Jesus was, was crucified between two thieves, the gospel is ever crucified between these two errors, the error of religion on one side and the error of irreligion on the other side. Because he said the way God wants to relate to us is the gospel. And we're going to see gospel today. The best example I can think of is this passage we're going to read today about a man named Zacchaeus who was as irreligious as anybody will see in the Bible. So let's go ahead and take a look at the story of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus um, lived in Jericho, we see Jesus is going through jericho um, he 's on his way to jerusalem but he 's not there yet and he 's just passing through and a man was there named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich Now that already tells us right there that he is under a huge ethical cloud uh, because if you read through the book of Luke, just you know take an afternoon sometime takes about an hour, an hour and a half. Um, just read through the entire uh, uh, biography that Luke wrote about Jesus. And as you do, make a note every time he says rich. And you'll see Luke really doesn't have a lot of use for rich people. And the reason is because nobody in his culture did except a very tiny number of people who were rich. In those days, there was no middle class. There was just nobody lived in a middle class. Uh, there was rich and there was poor, and there was a whole lot of poor people, and there was a very few rich people. There was no social mobility to speak of at all. If you were poor, you were going to be poor. And by poor, I mean really, really, really poor. Not knowing where your next meal is poor. Not knowing if you would have clothes um, uh, when the one item you wear wears out. Uh, really, really poor people. So rich people are already, when you read through Luke's gospel, rich people are questionable. But then he seals the deal by telling us that Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector. Now I know we don't like tax collectors either, but we we just kind of don't like them because of what they do. We don't like we don't like taxes. Nobody likes to pay taxes. I know some of you check the little box, but it's for a dollar. Very few of us, very few of us, check the box and add an extra thousand or something like that, right? We don't like taxes, and so uh, it, it kind of sloshes over onto tax collectors. But but we think that they're just people doing their job, right? Uh, ultimately, we don't hate them. We just don't particularly like what they do. But in the first century, in Bible times, tax collectors were in an entire different category. Um, if, you, if you read through the Bible, you'll see they're never mentioned um, uh, except alongside of sinners. But they're not just lumped in with sinners because sinners are understandable. You and I might become sinners, right? We might uh, enter a life of crime or prostitution or something understandable, right? But tax collectors, that was beyond the pale. It was unfair to sinners to lump tax collectors in with them. So Zacchaeus is a tax collector. The reason people hated tax collectors in those days was because of the way they worked. The way it worked was Rome had conquered pretty much all of the ancient world, and they said, okay, we think that we can squeeze this much money out of uh, Egypt, and this much out of of, uh, Israel, and this much out of Greece, and this much out of Spain, and so forth. They would figure out how much an area was worth to Rome. And then they would... Put out a request for quote. They'd say, Who can pay us a hundred million denarii? And then they get the right to tax Egypt. And so Rome's happy they got their money. But then somebody is unleashed on Egypt to go collect that money back. But Rome's happy because they got theirs. And you can imagine how this system is designed for dishonesty because once once you've once you've successfully been awarded the contract to collect taxes in Spain or Israel or wherever, then there's no limit on how much you can take. Pretty much as much as you can squeeze out of people. You could get if you paid 100 million, you might be you have your eyes set on 200 million. So you're going to make 100 million profit, and that's really the way the system worked. So people hated tax collectors because they were collaborating with the foreign occupying country, Rome. But then on top of that, they were cheats. They were swindlers. And Zacchaeus was even worse because he was the chief tax collector or a chief tax collector. That means he was on the top of a kind of a multi-level marketing organization um, where he would do the same thing to small-time operators. He'd say, okay, you can squeeze that neighborhood, okay, you can squeeze that town over there, and then I get a fraction of everything you make. So Zacchaeus was not just a tax collector. Bad as that was, he was a chief tax collector. There's nobody worse that I can think of in the 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 whole story of um, Jesus, as as told by Luke, Zacchaeus is probably the most ethically compromised person in the Bible. So you can imagine when he tries to see Jesus, people squeeze him out. Uh, Zacchaeus wants to see Jesus. He's heard, like everybody else, that there's this guy named Jesus. He's doing miracles. He's he's bringing people back to life. He's restoring sight to the blind. The lame are walking. And on top of that, he's teaching a new kind of teaching about God, about a God who doesn't hate you, but who loves you. And he goes, what's up with that? I want to see that. So like the rest of the people in this crowd, he runs to see Jesus when he hears he's come to town. But the rest of the crowd says, I don't like you. And they do for him what I used to do on the Coors exit in Albuquerque. You know, you're not going to see Jesus as long as I've got two elbows, buddy, because you are not crowding in. I have to put up with you as a tax collector, but that's the only thing I'm going to do with you. Well, he doesn't settle for that. If he wouldn't have that job, if he wasn't already an inventive um, and uh, ingenious kind of fellow, a determined fellow, so he runs down the street up ahead of where Jesus is and climbs up a tree so he can see Jesus. So so uh, Zacchaeus has climbed up into a sycamore tree, and now he's able to see when Jesus passes. But when Jesus comes to him, Jesus looks up to him and says, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must dine at your house today. And you see, Jesus says, I must. And that is exactly the wrong thing for Jesus to say. Jesus must not dine with Zacchaeus. Everybody reading this knows Zacchaeus, you know you don't, you don't associate with people like, like Zacchaeus. You walk across the street to avoid them. You don't look at them. You don't see them. You spit on their shadow. You certainly do not. You must not eat at their dinner table. And Jesus says, I must eat at your dinner table. Well, Zacchaeus climbs down. Zacchaeus climbs down and says, this is the best day of my life. He takes Jesus home, and they're eating dinner, and everybody else begins grumbling. It says, all who saw it began to grumble. Well, they began, but they didn't stop grumbling. They kept grumbling all through the meal. And finally, when he's heard enough of it, they're, they're outside. They want to be sure that he hears them. They're outside all through the meal. They're saying, I can't believe Jesus has gone to be with a, with one who is a sinner. And so Zacchaeus stands up. you know, Dinner is over. I'm done sitting down having my dinner. I'm going to stand up. Zacchaeus stands up. And says to the Lord, look, half my possessions, Lord, I will give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will pay back four times as much. Now, ten years ago, I got to go to seminary and I learned, I took summer Greek and I learned Greek. And I was able to look at this and say, that's actually the wrong tense. That's actually present tense. It's not that he says, I will give to the poor. He says, I do give to to the poor. And that can't be right. That can't be right. Something must be wrong there. Because if Zacchaeus is a generous man who repays people when he, when he defrauds them, he's the first tax collector ever to do that. I mean, we would know about it. He would be all over the place. We would have seen him in other extra biblical works. They would have said, hey, I heard that there was once an honest tax collector and his name was Zacchaeus. But Zacchaeus is not, is not honest. Zacchaeus is not honest and yet he's saying this is something he does. Uh, this is something, um, people struggle with. Um, can you go to the slide? Uh, the, uh, people who translate the Bible struggle. This doesn't make any sense. How can Zacchaeus give to the poor? How can Zacchaeus repay people he's defrauded when he's a tax collector and they just don't do that? So, so, uh, different translations struggle with this. And you see, I, I looked at a bunch of them. So our translation, the NRSV, says, I will give. And the, uh, there's a number of other ones that say, I give. In fact, the old, the plain old RSV as opposed to the NRSV, it said, I give. People struggle with this because they can't figure out why would a tax collector be generous. Some people said, well, maybe he really is. Maybe he's the one nice tax collector in the world. But there's a different answer because what Jesus says, is, he says, today salvation has come to the house because he too is the son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek out and save the lost. So Jesus says, salvation has come to this house. Then he says something about Zacchaeus. He is a son of Abraham. He says something about himself. He says, the son of man came to seek out and save the lost. So what does that mean? He says, son of Abraham. Son of Abraham to somebody in that culture would have meant somebody who's got an in with God because Abraham was God's friend. And as we saw in the passage from Isaiah, God takes care of his friends. God has all the power in the world. He can save anybody he wants to because he has a strong right hand. We sung the song talking about, my. I'll uphold them with my mighty right hand. So he's saying, Zacchaeus is a son of Abraham. And he says, I came, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And he's making a reference to the prophet, a different prophet, Ezekiel, who said that's what the God was going to do. God was going to come and not just seek out the lost, not just find them and say, you know, here's some things. If you just stop, stop doing this and you start doing that, if you start acting religious, then, then everything will go good for you. He's not just going to seek him out and then tell him what to do. He says he's going to seek him out and save him. So, how does he do that? He saves him with his mighty right arm. He saves him because he's God. He saves him because he can do what only God can do. It's been said before, Jesus didn't come to make bad people better. Jesus came to bring dead people to life. And I think that's what Zacchaeus is getting at when he stands up during this meal. He's saying, you know what? You all know me. You know Zacchaeus. But that's the old Zacchaeus. The old Zacchaeus was a cheat and a collaborator. But the new Zacchaeus is a different guy. I give half of what I have to the poor. I'm a generous guy. If I've cheated anybody, I repay four times. I take the full penalty of the law, and I pay back four times. Zacchaeus is saying, I am a new person. I'm not just going to get religious. I'm not going to start obeying a set of rules. But I am someone different. Because Jesus didn't come... To make bad people better. And Zacchaeus is as bad as they get. Jesus came to bring dead people to life. So. What about us? How does this affect us? Well, are we new creations? Are you a new creation? Have you been reborn? This is the question of the Bible. Because you see, if you come to Jesus hoping that you can do better on a test that you can, you can get a higher score because you you got more of the morality right because you got more religion right Jesus is not going to help you with that Jesus can only do one thing Jesus does only one thing he gives new life he says I came so that they would have new life and have it in abundance So are you a new creation because if you are if you are not if you're still trying to get by with religion or if you've packed it in, given up, and decided for irreligion, then Jesus says to you, today, today, not after you've got it all squared away, not after your life is all organized, but today, come down out of the tree, for I must dine with you. You know, I wonder sometimes about the church. I wonder how often in our desire not to encourage bad behavior... We end up acting like the crowd. We end up obscuring Jesus so that people who need to see him are being elbowed out. Because not everybody's going to run down the street and climb up a tree to see Jesus. Our calling as a church is not to obscure Jesus, not to block people's view, but to reveal Jesus. Not just by the things we say, not just by the the claims we make, but by the way we live, by the way we interact with people whose only hope is a new life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. So I pray first for the lost. I pray for those who, who are trying to get by with religion or who are giving up and settling for irreligion, Lord, I pray you'd speak to their hearts. You'd con- you'd you would convict them that Jesus is their friend, that Jesus has power to change them, that Jesus has power to bring life. And I pray for your church. I pray that you would make us instruments so that people can see through us, can see you through us, through the things we do and the way we act. And I pray all this in the name of Christ our Savior. Amen.